Wait for it. Okay, there it is. Hello, Christ community. Uh, glad all of you are here. Greetings to our Traditions venue and our West Campus um, and everyone at 15th Street. Glad all of you are here. This week, uh, this weekend actually marks the beginning of, of Holy Week. Um, and we're offering a couple of ways uh, for you to experience the impact of this week. So one is through our Good Friday service, where you will have the opportunity to reflect upon the implications of the cross. So that service is obviously Friday. It starts at 6.30 here at our 15th Street campus. And next weekend, we will be celebrating Easter. Um, and because of the number of, of people who attend Easter services, especially the 9.30 and the 11 o'clock services here at 15th Street, if you are able to attend the Saturday night service or the 8 a.m. service or the West Campus service, that would be great. And if you're attending 15th Street and you are able to park at Central High School um, or at least a few blocks away, any direction, that would be really helpful. We want to make sure that our new guests are able to find, to easily find parking spaces. So thank you for, for helping out with that. One other encouragement, I encourage you to pray about inviting someone to our Easter services. We have put together these cool invite cards um, that are available as you leave today, and you can use them to invite family members or friends or coworkers or teachers. Um, and also, we're, we are and have been and will continue to post some fun invites on our Facebook page uh, that you can share. So let's really, together, let's ask God to do amazing things in people's lives next weekend. And I, I believe God wants to do amazing things in our lives today. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 19. We are continuing our journey through the book of Luke, but we're jumping ahead today to look at what happens to Jesus exactly one week before Easter, what we often refer to as Palm Sunday. So just to set the context, as Jesus has been crisscrossing through Galilee and Samaria, teaching people and healing the sick, he has made it clear that his ultimate destination is Jerusalem where he will fulfill his mission by dying on the cross. But before that occurs, before the cross occurs, something else needs to happen. Something that was predicted centuries earlier in the Old Testament. A crucial part of God's plan is for Jesus to enter the city of Jerusalem as king. He is to enter the city in his rightful place as king. And that's exactly what happens in chapter 19. Luke, excuse me, Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem as king and the people respond to him as king. Now we may, you know, kind of wonder, well, that, that's great. But what relevance does this passage have to us today? It has huge relevance because this passage shows us how we are to respond to Jesus as king. What does it look like for us to put Jesus in his rightful place as king? Now, as this passage shows us, we're going to see this, there is one word that summarizes this response, and that word is worship. Worship. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word worship, but I'm guessing that for many of us, we equate worship with singing, singing songs. But, but I believe God wants to expand our understanding of an experience of worship as we look at this passage. As we're, as we're going to discover, worship is not simply about singing songs. In fact, here's kind of a summary statement. Worship 
is the means by which we actually welcome the presence and power of Jesus the King into our midst. Worship is the means by which we welcome the presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the King into our midst. So worship is a kingdom activating response. It has the power to drive back the enemy. It has the power to lift discouragement and fear. It has the power to increase our our experience of faith and, and peace. It is a powerful thing. And yet it is something that a lot of Christians don't fully tap into. And we miss so much of what Jesus the King is able and wanting to do in our lives. So let's look at this passage and discover how we can more fully welcome Jesus as King through our worship of him. So let me read the first part of this passage from Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. Okay, so as Jesus approaches the city of Jerusalem, he sends two of his disciples to a nearby village to get a colt, which, uh, which was a, a young donkey. And the choice of a donkey was very significant because the Jews were fully aware of a passage in the Old Testament book of Zechariah where their Messiah is described entering Jerusalem. Now check this out, Zechariah 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, this is describing how the Messiah would one day enter Jerusalem as king. He will come riding on a colt, a young donkey. And so in order to fulfill this prophecy, this amazing prophecy, Jesus sends two of his disciples to go out to get this colt that no one had ever ridden, ridden, and they are to untie it and bring it to Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, if the owner asks you what you're doing, tell them that the Lord needs it. And so that's exactly what happens. The owners do ask, why are you untying our colt? And the disciples answer, the Lord needs it. And that works. They get the donkey. Okay. Now, initially, this passage has sort of the Star Wars Episode Four feel to it. You know, Obi-Wan and Luke getting past the stormtroopers. This is not the droid you're looking for, right? Uh, if you remember that scene, the Lord needs it. Um, but that's, you know, that, that makes for great Hollywood effects. But I, that's probably not what's happening here. Most likely, Jesus has prearranged for the use of this donkey. You know, I don't, I don't believe the owners are suddenly under the power of some force. No, they, they voluntarily released their donkey when they heard the disciples' response, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. See, what we see here is is one critical aspect of what it looks like to welcome Jesus as king, of what it looks like to experience genuine worship, and that is release. Release. Releasing our hold on anything and everything that holds us 
You see, these owners voluntarily let go of their cult that had never been ridden so that Jesus could use it. Why? Because the Lord needs it. See, the owner's willingness to release this cult was a response to the lordship of Jesus. Genuine worship involves releasing ourselves to the Lord completely. Releasing our hold on everything that might hold us. It could be our possessions, like in this passage, but it could also be anything that is occupying our heart and our attention, a work situation, a financial need, a difficult relationship, a worry that we're carrying, a, a secret sin that we're holding on to, a concern for our children or our health. And over time, as we carry these things, they, 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 can, be, they, they can begin to have this increasing weight. They can become this increasing weight on our soul that begins to color the way we view life. It impacts our emotional state. It can, it can become this wet blanket of heaviness and discouragement and fear and exhaustion. And see, the Lord is inviting us into this beautiful and powerful experience of worship where we intentionally release these things to him. We release our death grip hold on our adult child's decisions. We release our death grip hold on our finances. We release to Jesus our worries about the future. You know, what's fascinating to note in this story is that the owners of the donkey, they probably have no idea why the Lord needs it. They don't understand why. They're just asked to release it to him. I wonder how often do we hold on to things trying to understand why this is happening when Jesus is simply asking, will you release this to me? Will you, will you trust me? I remember uh, talking with a pastor friend of mine, um, Derry Northrup, uh, up at um, Timberline in Fort Collins, and uh, he was describing this practice of prayer that he had been utilizing at the time. And in prayer, he would literally open his hands, palms up, and specifically release to the Lord each and everything that was weighing on his mind and on his heart right then. So every concern he was carrying about the church, he would release that to the Lord. Every concern about people in his life or his family or his own life, he would open his palms and release that to the Lord. And I love that image and that posture, coming to the Lord with open hands, releasing to him anything and everything that is holding us, that's occupying our hearts and minds. And this releasing is an act of worship. It's actually an act of worship. The apostle Paul makes this very connection in Romans chapter 12, verse one, when he writes, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in other words, in, all, in light of all that God has done for you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, Paul says that true worship is this posture of release, of surrender, where we offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. We release our hold on anything, and we open our hands and our hearts afresh to Jesus as king. King. 
I mean, the, the power of this open-handed posture is significant because it not only reflects a posture of releasing, but it also reflects a posture of receiving, right? Of receiving. Open hands signify an openness to welcome the presence and the power of Jesus into our circumstances and into our difficulties and into our discouragement. Are you regularly experiencing this aspect of worship? Intentionally stopping to release to the Lord any and everything that is holding you or weighing upon you. In fact, I want to stop right here. We're not done with the message, but I want to stop right here and just kind of practice this and experience this together. So if you're comfortable doing this, just close your eyes for a moment. And I want to encourage you, just place your palms up in front of you. And now release to Jesus any area of your life that's causing concern, it's causing worry, it's causing stress or fear, or any area that you feel is becoming more important than him. Surrender that area, that person, that situation to him. Release it to him. So, Lord, we release these things to you specifically, these people, these situations, these needs we release to you. And we welcome you as king. We welcome you afresh as king. We in, in that area, we receive your presence and your peace. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so, so that's one just practical um, experience of worship, and it's one aspect of worship, right? Of welcoming Jesus as king, it's releasing to him. Well, let's continue in this passage where we see a, a second characteristic of genuine worship. Verse 35, they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, they knew what was going on here. This is welcoming Jesus as king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So as Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives, riding on this donkey, the crowd recognizes the significance of what's happening in, in, in terms of Zechariah chapter 9 being fulfilled. They recognize this. Their king is entering Jerusalem. And so they began to express praise. They begin to express praise, which is a second characteristic of genuine worship, the expressing of praise to God. Now, we're told that this crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices. Now, now there's something very, very important about praise that we need to understand before we go any further here. Praise is not praise unless it's expressed. Unexpressed praise is not praise. I know so many people who, when they were growing up, never heard their dad say to them, 
I'm proud of you. You're an amazing student. You're an amazing person. Those kinds of things. They never heard praise from their father. Now, if I were to go to those dads, if I were to go to those dads and ask them, are you proud of your son? Are you proud of your daughter? 99% of them would say, of course I am. But they never expressed it. And praise that is not expressed is wasted. It doesn't have any impact. In fact, in the case of parenting, withheld praise has a huge negative impact. Every human being needs to hear affirmation and value expressed, especially in our growing up years. Every human being needs that. So, so we all understand this in a worldly, in a worldly earthly relationship. We all understand how, how praise is not praise unless it's expressed. I mean, you, as a dad, you can think all sorts of wonderful thoughts about your kids, but if they're never spoken, that's not praise. That's not praise. So we get that on an on a, on a, um, earthly level. The same thing is true in our praise toward God. Praise must be expressed in order for it to be praised. Now, now I, I, I'm not saying this has to be through singing. That, that's certainly one way we can express praise to God. It's often mentioned in scripture, but singing is not the only way to express praise. Praise can be written. Praise can be spoken. It can be shouted. It can be whispered. But it has to be expressed in order for it to be praise. Now, there are two, two directions that this praise can go, both of which are mentioned in this passage. Okay, so one, of, one direction of praise is that we can praise God for what he has done. We can praise him for what he has done. So verse 37 says that the crowd was praising God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. See, they were expressing praise to God for what he had done in their lives and in the lives of others. Now, another word for this kind of praise is gratitude. See, gratitude is a form of praise. Gratitude is when we choose to thank God for what he has done. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, the apostle Paul writes these amazing words, challenging words, really. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, notice he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. No, he says give thanks in all circumstances. Now, no matter what we're going through, we can choose to thank God, to thank God for the blessings he has given to us, his forgiveness, his mercy, his, his love. Rather than focusing on our circumstances, you know, the, the places of lack in our lives, which we have a tendency to do, focus on our places of lack, we are commanded to praise God through gratitude, to praise God for the good things that he has done in our lives. And that choice, that choice, it is a choice, it's, that choice opens a door for the presence of Jesus to fill us. We can either focus on what's wrong, what we don't have, what's not working in our lives, and we all know where that leads, that, that kind of focus will lead to despair and discouragement and crankiness and all that, or... We can choose to focus on what God has done and express praise to him for that. And that choice, even though it's really difficult at the time, that choice is like opening the window of our soul 
to the fresh breeze of the Spirit. Thankful praise is a very powerful choice we all have in any and every situation. Again, we're not thanking him for the difficult circumstances, but we're thanking him in it. In it. Okay, the other aspect of praise is that we can praise God for who he is. So look again at verse 38, where we see what the crowd is saying. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I mean, these are amazing words here. The people are blessing Jesus for being king, for just being king, for, for who he is, right? And I want to hone in on this word glory, glory in the highest. What exactly is the glory of God? Well, I, I like Pastor John Piper's definition. So John Piper says this, the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. The, the infinite beauty of his manifold perfections. See, to praise God for his glory is to praise him for the wonder and the perfection and the brilliance of who he is. I mean, he is holy. He is merciful. He is righteous. He is just. He is loving. He is creator. He is sovereign. He is wisdom. He is every good attribute you can think of magnified by a billion. I mean, he is every superlative we have in our vocabulary. Scripture speaks of the radiance of God's glory. It radiates the radiant physical of his glory, of his glory. The psalmist writes that the heavens declare the glory of God. See, the stars and the sunset, every sunset, these things are expressing praise to God for who he is. See, the question, these things are doing it. The question is, are we expressing praise to him for who he is? Do we take time to express praise to God for who he is. Again, praise is not praise unless it's expressed. So where in your life are you expressing praise to God? See, praise is not listening to a sermon. That's not praise. And praise is not reading a book. It's not doing a Bible study. Praise is not praying through our prayer requests. All those things are good. They're important, but none of them are praise. If, if your spiritual life consists solely of sermons and Bible studies and praying your prayer requests, you are missing out on one of the, 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 those important and powerful responses to Jesus, our King. You're missing out on one of the most important responses to him as king, the response of praise, of praise. I love that song that we sing around here. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. That's what praise does. When we choose to praise God for who he is and for what he has done, we are welcoming the presence of Jesus into our hearts and lives in an intentional way. I mean, praise has the power to completely change our perspective. 
Not long ago, I was experiencing this, just this heavy weight of discouragement and feeling kind of beaten up by the enemy. Nothing in me wanted to praise God. Nothing. I felt like just the spiritual loser. But I decided, you know what? I'm going to choose to praise God right now in the midst of my feelings of failure and discouragement. I'm going to choose to praise God. And it was amazing, the impact was immediate. It was like a dark cloud just lifted and I could breathe again. My desire for God was reawakened in that moment. Before I was like, ah, stay away. It was like that desire was restirred. I mean, praise is such a powerful thing. So if that's the case, if praise is such a powerful thing, why don't we engage in it more often, more consistently, more intentionally? Well, this passage actually reveals a couple of reasons why we might choose to not experience the power of praise. So the first reason is pride. Pride. Look at verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, as all this praising is happening, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. See, they didn't want Jesus receiving this kind of worship and praise. They didn't want him to be exalted as king in this way. They preferred the crowds to be focused on them, on their teaching, on their authority. And so the worship of Jesus was a direct affront to their pride. And the same thing is true in our lives. When we choose to praise... We are choosing to place God above self, above our agenda, above our feelings, above our ability to control things. See, praise is the intentional act of dethroning pride. Praise is the intentional act of dethroning our pride because God and pride cannot share the same throne. They cannot. So when we praise... We dethrone pride in our lives, which is a good thing because when we're focused on self, when we're not dethroning pride, when we're focused on self, that results, and we all know this, it results in fear and stress and anxiety and discouragement and and giving in to sin, all those things. Pride will keep us from praise and praise will keep us from pride. It's powerful. Now, you got to love Jesus' response to the Pharisees' comment. He didn't apologize uh, for what the people were doing. He didn't do that. And he didn't rebuke the disciples. They were telling him to rebuke your disciples. He, he didn't do that either. This is what he said, verse 40. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, guys, praise of me is going to happen whether you engage in it or not. By withholding praise, you don't impact me. You're the ones who miss out. Because praise is going to happen whether you're participating or not. Which leads to a second hindrance um, to worship in our lives, and that is distraction. Distraction, verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace... But now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you 
and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And this actually happened a few decades later, the fall of Jerusalem. All of this happened. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. See, Jesus, he is approaching Jerusalem and he sees the city and he knows what's going to be happening to this city. He knows this judgment that is coming and what they're going to experience. He's weeping. So why did they miss out on on God's peace and life? It's because they didn't recognize Jesus. They were so caught up in their own lives and their own religious observances and, 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 and all those things that they missed Jesus. They missed Jesus. Now, here's the application for us. Look, when friends, our lives are so busy with all sorts of activity. And honestly, technology has made it worse. We are constantly on our phones, we're texting, we're checking out social media. I heard a, a stat the other day that people on average look at their phone 80 times a day. On average, 80 times a day. Our phone is often the first thing we look at in the morning, it's the last thing we look at at night before we go to bed as well as it's kind of right in the middle of most every conversation or meal we're having. I'm just wondering, what is this doing to our souls? Where any and every free moment without our phone causes us to have an anxiety attack or causes us to feel bored. See, this way of life, I believe it's taking a toll on our soul and it's causing us to miss this experience of regularly welcoming the presence and power of Jesus into our lives and hearts through praise. When when you look at how you're living your life, is there intentional space where you are creating, that, that you are creating, intentional space you're creating to praise Jesus for who he is and for what he's done? Are you creating space for that intentionally or are you allowing busyness and technology and self-sufficiency and distractions, et cetera, to keep you from experiencing Jesus in this way as the king who is worthy of our worship and our praise? Now, let me get really practical here, kind of take these principles and get really practical. There there are two contexts in which praise is is to be expressed. One is in the community of faith with other believers. See, there were hundreds of people, perhaps thousands, some estimate there might have been thousands on this day when Jesus is is entering Jerusalem. Thousands, hundreds, thousands of people giving Jesus praise. I mean, can you imagine being there? Right? That there is a unique synergy. There is a unique dynamic when a community of faith praises God together. I mean, let's admit, this passage wouldn't have had the impact if there was one guy on the road into Jerusalem with his earbuds in listening to Mercy Me. You know, that just would not have cut it, right? It wouldn't have, you know? The power of this moment was that the multitude was together recognizing Jesus as king. They were together recognizing him as king. Now, let me, let me just say something to those of you who are part of this church family. If you're not a part of this family, you're just visiting or you're, you're, explore, you're a church elsewhere or whatever, or you're exploring the faith or whatever, what, what I'm going to say right now doesn't apply to you, so don't listen for a minute here. But, but if this is your church home, 
if this is your church family, let me just say this. If you have gotten into the habit of just leaving and going home right after the message when the singing begins, you are missing out on an important opportunity to praise God together. See, I want to praise God with you. I want to praise God in community because there is power in us praising God together as your community of faith with your brothers and sisters in Christ. See, we, we don't want to miss out on that, do we? I mean, do we want to miss out on that? We, we don't want to be the guy that stayed home that day in Jerusalem. Because he was, you know, whatever. When this amazing praise gathering is happening, Jesus is entering Jerusalem and he's, he's, he's stayed home. There's such value in, in praising God together in our community of faith, giving priority to these gatherings when we meet weekly for worship and praise. There's value in being together. And it's something that we, we, we can't get on our own, on a podcast or whatever. It's, there's value in this community of faith choosing to praise God together. Now, having said that, the importance of community of faith and praising God in that, there's also significant value in building praise into our lives when we're not with other believers. I mean, if, if praise opens this door for God's power and presence in our lives. And we need that regularly, right? I mean, we, we need that regularly, not just once every week or every couple weeks when we go to church. I mean, we need this regularly or we're going to just keep getting sucked back into the vortex of this world. So we need to build this into our lives. So the question is, where is praise a regular part of your life? a regular part of your life, when are you and I personally, individually expressing praise to God? Not because there's a worship band up there or whatever, but in, in the course of our week, where are we intentionally doing this? Now, I don't know what this looks like for you. It could be, there are a variety of ways. So it, it could be through writing, um, it could be where, where you're writing your praise to God. It could be singing in the car on the way to work. It could be making some space in your prayer time where you're, you're already doing a prayer time and you just make some space to, to take a psalm and just express praise to God. I mean, we, we all have different ways of expressing praise to God that really connect with us and they, that kind of match sort of our personal heart and soul. We, we all have that. So the method, I'm not talking about a method here. The method is not the issue. See, the issue is whether or not this is happening regularly in our lives. Because no matter what our circumstances, no matter how dark things seem, no matter how hard life is right now, we need to praise God. We need this. We need to praise God. Not, again, not for his sake. It's, it's not for his sake. He's going to get the praise he deserves whether we participate or not. The stones are going to cry out. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. He's going to get the praise he deserves. See, we need to praise him for our sake because in doing so, we welcome him as king into our hearts and into our lives. Now that act, that may not change our circumstances, probably won't change our circumstances, but it will change our perspective dramatically. It will change our perspective, guaranteed welcoming him as king through worship, through
through release and through praise. All right, let's, let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for this window into this amazing event that happened on Palm Sunday centuries ago when Jesus, you entered Jerusalem in the fulfillment of the prophetic words in the Old Testament. You entered Jerusalem as king and people that day responded to you as king. And we see in this passage, this picture of what it looks like to welcome you as king. It's not only releasing our hold on things, we already kind of did that a little bit. It's also this choice to praise you for who you are and for what you have done. And so right now, God, I am asking you to set us free to praise you. In these next several minutes here, 15 minutes or whatever, this next set, this time here, and the songs that we've chosen. Lord, we want this to be about you. We don't want to disengage. We want to engage in praise to you. And so I, I pray for that, God. I entrust this time to you and this opportunity to respond right now to what we've heard in your word. So thank you. Thank you for that. So why don't we stand? We kind of make the prayer time short here just because we want to respond to the word. So I encourage you, if you want to sit down at some point and you're expressing praise through whispering or through uh, just speaking to the Lord or, or, or reading a psalm out loud or whatever it is, we encourage you to do that. But right now, we want to, in this community of faith, we want to express our praise to Jesus. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy of that.